Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of I've Got Questions. My name is always William Hurst and this is a wonderful pre-modern podcast. We are here today continuing on our journey, talking a little bit with the top eight contenders of the Misty Mountain Fall Cup. And today we have Peter McGrain. Is it McGrain? McGran? How do you pronounce the last name? McGrain. McGrain? Oh, okay. Awesome. And Peter, how are you doing today? Pretty good. That's awesome to hear. That's awesome to hear. Now, you, this was not your first pre-modern event. You've been at a f- few of these, right? How many of the Misty Mountain events have you been at? Uh, I think this would have been my fourth one at Misty Mountain. So I've also played in a few at Sly Patch as well down here in uh, West Alice by Milwaukee. Awesome. So what uh, kind of is your history about magic um, and how did you find pre-modern? Uh, so I started playing magic in 2000. I was uh, in... God, what year was that? I would have been in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was playing the, the Pokemon TCG and they used to have a thing called like Pokemon League. It was basically like Friday Night Magic. Right, right. Uh, but for the Pokemon card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the two people who ran it, they were high schoolers, I think, uh, seniors or something. Uh, they were like, you should just play Magic because it's a better game. <laughs> and like show, showed me like some of their decks in that I had been like playing some of like the competitive decks in Pokemon at the time. So, um, but I didn't start playing like magic competitively probably for another year. The first magic deck I had was the Kavu precon from invasion block. I, don't nice. know it, I think it was plane shift block, but mm-hmm. it had like flame tongue and the gating Kavus and stuff like that. Um, and so I played that for a little bit. I liked them because they were like lizard dinosaur things. (laughs) Uh, uh, And so I played pretty casually uh, in like Invasion Block era Mm -hmm. until um, probably about Odyssey came out. I started going to a local card store that was actually doing magic tournaments. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was when Odyssey came out and the first like sort of tournament deck I played was like the blue green threshold deck at the time. Okay. It's like wear bear, yep. um, yep. nimble mongoose <laughs> and that. Um, and obviously the madness mechanic came in torment, uh, the set after. And mm-hmm. then that was like the first, that was the next deck I built. Cause all those cards were extremely cheap. And, you know, I was in middle school, right. so my budget for magic was extremely limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and that deck had like eight rares. Basically, it was a lands, it was the city of brasses, and the Yavamea coast, and like the rest was uncommon, right? Right. The commons. So that was my sort of introduction to the format, um, and I played off and on competitively for uh, some years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of quit when I went to or. I would say the first time I stopped playing Magic was right after Mirrodin Block. I've been playing a lot of the JSS circuits, circuits okay. like that for the the college scholarships. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, the Mirrodin Block was like such a it was a, it was a little bit disaster of disastrous block in terms of like bannings and power level. Yeah, it wasn't the most diverse thing we've ever seen in the world. Yeah, uh, and. So I lapsed for about a year, so I miss a lot of the Kamigawa Black stuff, mm-hmm. stuff, and then I came back to it uh, later. I believe 
Ravnica was after Kamigawa block, right? Yeah. Or was there a set in between that? It was, I believe, Ravnica after Kamigawa block. Yeah. And obviously Magic got way more popular with Ravnica. That was probably one of their most popular sets. Mm-hmm. And then I continued like PTQing because J- I aged out of JSS. I turned older than 15. I think that was what it was at the time. So I started doing PTQs and that. Um, uh, I would say that the best I ever did was I did qualify for uh, nationals in 2010, U.S. nationals when they still had that awesome event. Uh, playing, <laughs> playing in the event I completely did not expect to play and just like was handed a deck. It was like uh, mono mono red, uh, and it it was supposed to have Cargan Dragon Lords, but those were expensive at the time, and no nobody had them. Mm. There was just like one at Misty Mountains, and I was like, all right, I'll just play one and play Kiln Fiend uh, <laughs> instead. And I ended up I ended up top four, and you only had the top four that event. It was top four qualified in the regionals, mm-hmm. so uh, that was like the peak of my qualification. Never played on the Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, never played on any other, and never top eighted a GP or anything. Uh, I think X three was my best GP record. Gotcha, so. awesome. So then you were kind of doing all this. What what drove you into the arms of pre modern? What made it uh, become on your radar? I, I can't even remember how I heard about it or saw saw it the first time. I think I just. I knew a friend who was playing middle school mm-hmm. and I heard, heard about this format and saw that it had like a decent amount of tournament support, especially locally when I was living in Madison at the time. Mm-hmm. And the decks looked fun because it uh, reminded me of basically when I started playing right about like that era of extended mm-hmm. um, while for the most part, the, the, card availability and card cost compared to something like legacy right or modern was much lower unless you want uh Nox diamonds basically exactly or orig- original actual cradles not gold bordered <laughs> ones yep yep so that was nice that basically for the price of like one modern deck i could build like an entire gauntlet of pre-modern decks mm-hmm. um and i don't really have to worry about reprints or new new sets sort of make invalidating decks for the most part there's right. only really the threat of bannings uh, mm-hmm. which are rare and i think a lot of the decks i play aren't really uh under a threat for that i tend to play the decks that aren't as oppressive i would think in the metagame or that get enemies in the metagame gotcha uh, uh so what sort of decks do you enjoy playing uh Obviously, for this event, we'll get into it. You got you played Survival Madness, which there was a lot of madness in the room in general in Survivals. But what other decks did you enjoy playing? I think I recall. I think playing you maybe in the first Misty Mount or the first Midwest Championships, and you were on Sly. I remember. I, I believe we played, and you were on Sly. I could be wrong. Yeah, I I I have Sly. I have uh, the Rock, and I have Madness built. I definitely had the most success with the rock, especially when Parfait was legal. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I thought it had, you know, it fought Parfait well because of Deed and the discard. Yeah. And it also had, I felt a pretty strong matchup against the tribal decks and Dreadnought. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, And so I had a lot of success with it. Um, And I, I, 
I was going to play it again on last Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend said, you shouldn't play the rock. You should just play madness. Just, just because I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, um, shout out to your friend made a good call. Yeah. It was Lucas Carlson. He didn't make the event. Oh, uh, Lucas. I know who yeah, Lucas said, is. Yeah. 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 Lucas is also top eight at, uh, one of the Misty mountain mm-hmm. events. Uh, I was playing dead guy ale. Yep. So. Yep. I remember, I remember that. So let's talk, let's talk madness. So since land tax has been banned, uh, we've noticed kind of a creeping up of decks that on their face, um, a lot of times don't feel very powerful. Uh, when you, when you look at madness, just, on a card by card looking at it, it doesn't look amazing. When you look at a lot of the Terravore decks, it doesn't look crazy. Things like that. But we're finding that these decks, uh, much akin to earlier versions um, in their history, are very effective because they're doing specific things and they do it very well. And Madness, I faced Madness twice in a row uh, at Misty. And the addition of Survival to that deck has added a whole dynamic what has your experience been with uh, Blue Green Madness and um, your just general thoughts on the deck? Because it is, as I said, if you look on its face, a very innocuous deck. Very um, doesn't look threatening. It's one ones and a four four, and it's not crazy. What what were your thoughts on Madness? Uh, so I think it has very efficient threats. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the era, like Wild Mongrel is very annoying to kill, especially when you have sources of like renewable discard with Squee mm-hmm. or discard that you can get value out of, whether it's Root Wall or Arrogant Worm. Right. Uh, Arrogant Worm is a 4 4 for three, is like the one of the most efficient threats in the format, right? You mm-hmm. just don't get that kind of value and you get to play it at instant speed mm-hmm. in that deck a lot of the time. Uh, so I think your threats can close the game out faster than a lot of people expect, which allows you to race with uh, wonder in some matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think the deck is one of the best decks at like utilizing days, which is obviously a very powerful card in Legacy mm-hmm. and uh, probably just doesn't have as much of a home outside of Stifle Knot, uh, just because the tempo threats just aren't as good as they would become a little, a little later. There's nothing on the quality of a Delver or a Ragavan. Yeah, yeah, I get that, we get that. That allows the the days package to be as effective. Uh, but I think it's pretty effective in Blue Green Madness. The the things to not like about Madness, uh, it doesn't deal with go wide decks very well, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't deal with. Uh, if it's getting into like a mid-range slog matchup with like the Rock or Dead Guile, I think that's a bad place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think you're correct. And one of the biggest innovations we've seen in this deck, and there's been a couple, um, and a lot of this, and I'm not sure where you source your list from, but it looks very similar to uh, a lot of the Cyberpunker lists from yeah, the, the MOS series. Yeah. Absolutely. This is definitely just Cyberpunker list. Uh, I think from his last online society list, yep. he was playing, but he was playing two days and two force bite. I, I played three days and one force bite because I 
I thought days was better and more powerful. Agreed. Um, but I, I, I didn't want four days and I could see an argument for one four spike. So that's what I tried. I, I did no testing before the event. <laughs> I, cold, like I said, went in I, cold and I went in hard. Yeah. I audible like the night before found two cavens. had to go to South Milwaukee to find the second one. <laughs> that's uh, crazy. Uh, yeah. I didn't expect I would be able to find them just cause it's such an obscure old card. Mm-hmm. It's almost every event that I see or go to, you see some cards. that's like, I had no idea that was a card and uh, it would be around. So that's another cool thing about this format. Um, but yeah, let- I had a, go ahead. Oh yeah, I had a funny loss involving the scenario like that in the tournament. What where happened? My opponent, my opponent was playing a blue red like counter burn, mm-hmm. uh, and they had played a frenetic effort, which I kind of ex- I knew that was an old card that decks like that had used as a win condition a long time ago because mm-hmm. it was hard to kill. Oh, that was the was that um, the chance encounter deck as well that had yes. the combo built into yeah. it. Yes, and. I was sitting there and just had like a monger out of versus the Efreet. And I wasn't really worried because I could block Flyer. Um, and he, I didn't have any counter magic hands. He just taps out or taps down and casts Chance Encounter. I'm like, oh. I look at it a second and I'm like, oh, I remember this card. And I read it again. I'm like, oh, I lose. <laughs> game, <laughs> game two. I didn't have any enchantment destruction or anything like that in mm-hmm. deck. So there was nothing I could do about it. Right. Uh, so seeing those like. And Chance Encounter back then was, you know, you never wanted to open that in your draft or your mm-hmm. prize packs because it was just a, it's a terrible it card. Dime rare. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Survival of the Fittest. Now, Old Madness uh, of old did not have Survival of the Fittest. Um, and a big evolution of this deck came when people started putting it in. What were your... Because it sounds like you played this deck before survival was a thing in formats outside of this. What was your read on the four survival of the fist and how essential is that to the game plan? Uh, I I think it's so it's so powerful when you get it going, uh, and it gives you a lot of resources to make sure you don't run out of gas. Because I think that can be a problem with madness. Mm-hmm. Um, is I mean. Frantic search and careful study are technically card disadvantage if you don't have a wall or a squee. Mm-hmm. And so survival basically allows you to go get those cards to make careful study and frantic search much better. Mm-hmm. And also over a few turns, you know, if you keep getting squeeze, it's like you're almost like drawing three cards a turn. Right. Uh, so uh, in grindier matchups, uh, it definitely gives you a lot of staying power exactly and the, the fact also it's a discard outlet for your root wallers to get them out for free and then go get something as well certainly can't be discounted now one of the big innovations for some people that haven't seen is or and also one of the main complaints about madness is the mana at least in this format is a little hinky uh, or or it can be um but this deck is just crazy enough and the developments have been crazy and shout out to cyberpunk for a lot of this is in you're running the four full four squeeze in the main, but, and so they're also good for pitching. However, they have an added benefit by being able to be pitched to a pyrokinesis. Now pyrokinesis, if for those not uh, familiar, you can exile a red card from your hand instead of paying its cost 
deals four damage divided among any number of creatures that you choose. Uh, really a great card that's been able to keep some of those go-wide strategies in check. How did the mana feel, especially on a list that was on four wasteland as well, how did the mana feel in getting off Pyrokinesis is, and even the Cavins, which was another cool addition to the deck, um, how did the mana feel, and is it as hinky as people may think it is, or is that a reputation that is not deserved? Uh. I'll be honest. It's pretty bad, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> especially with the, especially with the wastelands. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to very carefully construct your mana base and the cards in your deck uh-huh. uh, to kind of make the mana work. Okay. Um, the problem is, you would really like to play mana leak, but I think the games go long enough in pre-modern mm-hmm. that a lot of decks can like ramp out of the. Th- three mana mattering basically or like play last until it doesn't matter and then the fact that mana leak isn't a counter spell is like a really big hindrance for you right um, says uh what do you think about uh, um the absence of circular logic from a lot of these lists obviously it feels like it'd be tailor-made but what are the arguments kind of against that in your opinion why you wouldn't run it uh i don't think you can fill up the graveyard that effectively okay. uh, in the early turns, and it requires uh, uh, it doesn't work with your survivals, right? You can't pitch it to survival, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't work with your careful studies. So, okay. I think Circular Logic was a better card back when it was in standard, and your primary discard outlets were Mongrel, Aquamoba, and Merfolk Looter mm-hmm. basically, stuff that you could always use instant speed. Um, nowadays the madness list they're playing survival they're probably only playing mongrel or like maybe a copy of aquamoba or looter mm-hmm. uh, so it's less likely that they're going to be able to hold up a discard outlet for circular logic right um, in the in the built that don't play survival I could see it being played because you probably are going to run more discard outlets that are creatures like looter or Aquamoba mm-hmm. uh, that don't have the restrictions that survival does. Gotcha. I think I think that all makes sense. So the list outside of that, pretty um, pretty standard. A waterfront bouncer, which is uh, a threat some decks can't ever deal with it ever ever gets going. Uh, in the sideboard, you have a reverent silence, which is uh, great against certain things like enchantress. Um, you have the one gilded drake to steal target. So a pretty Pretty simple stock list. So let's kind of take a look at your day. Your day, um, you kind of faced a gamut of different things. Uh, you were undefeated on the actual Swiss rounds. It looks like you went. Uh, I lost. I lost to. Uh, oh, sorry. I don't remember the gentleman's name? Uh, I lost John to Donovan. Survival welder deck. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Melee screwing me again. I tell you, I didn't read it right. But in general, a pretty successful day. You had the Madness Mirror Match in the later rounds. Um, what what during the day were kind of any tricky matchups, matchups where you were worried about anything like that? What matchups stick in your mind as things that uh, are hard to overcome? Well, I started the – I started – the day against uh, zombies, and I was a little worried when I saw that because the deck 
goes wide, it can actually pump outside of cave-in range with enough... Uh, like bad moons with and enough, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it can also play some anti-green cards out of the board, whether it's Parish or uh, Dystopia, mm-hmm. I think is the old enchantment it's called. Yep, yep. Um, and so it's both sort of a go-wide deck that also has a lot of like anti-green removal, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up 2 owing that. Um, but otherwise, I uh, and then the Survival Welder deck, I didn't think I would have a good matchup against that, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> even even with uh, Pyrokinesis and Cave-In, there was a chance I could have won game two if I had drawn a Cave-In. Mm-hmm. But I got basically locked down by uh, Sharpshooter Ranger and Mastacore to the point where like I couldn't play a single creature mm-hmm. with that until I could deal with those. And I just ended up dying to the Mastacore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise I, I think, you know, I think the deck was a, a pretty good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, there was probably a little more of like the survival tool deck, toolbox decks. I would have wanted to face just because a lot of the times, you know, they're going wide with like mana ramp mm-hmm. and, Uh, if they get their survival going, it's hard for you to outdraw them. Basically, right. they just their their uh, value engine's better than your value engine. Yeah, their survival is better than yours. So right, exactly. Um, part of the thing that's good about madness is that two for ones are pretty hard to come by in pre modern. It's not like modern magic where a lot of cards just have like extra value stapled onto them just from coming into play. Mm-hmm. Um. And the synergy you get with, you know, careful study and squee and frantic search and squee and uh, root walla gives you some basic, basically like virtual card advantage. Okay. Uh, and turns your your draw two discard twos into like a draw two discard one, and then you also get a creature in play. So, gotcha. That's pretty. That's pretty rare for the format. Yeah, I would uh, agree I with that. I think that's like a underrated aspect of madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. That it can play the tempo game, but also because of the card draw and survival is able to grind out decks as well. Gotcha. So we kind of we did well through the Swiss. We get into the top eight. In the quarterfinals, you played uh, a Ponza deck, Mono Red Ponza. And for a deck that its mana base is shaky it could feel like it'd be rougher, but what did, what did that matchup feel like? Did that come into play or were uh, you able to get in like uh, cheap threats underneath the destruction? Yeah. Game one, uh, definitely the, the mana base killed me. Uh, I got, <laughs> I got ported down. I, I, I was on the draw. I got ported down on my turn two, so I couldn't play a two drop. And then I just started getting my lands destroyed. Uh, wow. And so I lost that game. And then games two and three, I was able to get out ahead, mm-hmm. uh, obviously being on the play, and then also replacing some of your more expensive or clunkier spells, like Frantic Search or even like mm-hmm. Counterspell, and like being able to bring in Hydroblast, it being only one mana is right. a lot more relevant. Yeah, you no. don't have to s- sit there with two, two blue open, and you can operate if you get your second island, your Yavamaya coast blown up by land destruction. Um, 
Um, and then once you have a threat on board, it's very hard for them to answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Mongrel can... or Arrogant Worm efficiently. Right. You usually have to burn at least two spells on it, and then if you counter the second spell, you're just, you're way ahead. Exactly. Uh, and that was one of the scenarios that happened in games two and three. Uh, so I think against the mana denial decks, I think you're in a decent spot if you don't get too screwed on colors, mm-hmm. just because you can operate under on such low mana because mm-hmm. some of your spells are free. Okay. I, I like I like that description. I can see that. So then you faced off against uh, Michael Phillips in the semifinals with Enchantress, and this was a very interesting game because it is a definitely a go wide strategy, um, but not in a typical way because they're not really attacking with creatures, but they're yeah. building up this board that you can't do much. What did? What did that sort of matchup feel like? Obviously, in the sideboard, you have a reverent silence, which is great, but then they could maybe, you know, replenish afterwards, and it's a weird game of how do you time it. So what were your uh, thoughts on kind of how that match went? Yeah, I think, obviously, Argothian Enchantress is the big villain in the matchup. It comes Mm -hmm. down extremely cheaply. It's two-drop, and if it resolves... Madness can't get it off the board in any way, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they just keep accruing value off every enchantment they cast. Uh, so game game one, he didn't have uh, Argothian Enchantress, and I had two dazes, and so I dazed his worship, and I dazed... Uh, I can't even remember what else I dazed. I'd have to go back and look at the footage. But mm-hmm. I, I know... That, he went and tooted up a worship off of Sterling Grove to try and survive, and I just had another days for mm. it. So he was only operating on two lands and two wild growths. Gotcha. So uh, I was able to get through that. Games two and three, his hands were m- much better in that they had earlier Gothian Enchantresses, and I wasn't able to stop them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did get to a point where, in game two, where you know I set up the Reverent Silence, and I didn't have enough to kill him in one swing. Mm-hmm. which is what you're trying to do because of the threat of replenish, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that left him at two, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had to replenish, and I didn't have a counter match ah. for it. Uh, and the same in game game three, I mulled a five. Uh, the mana issues came for me in, in game <laughs> three. Uh, but I had a hand that, you know, I had a root wallet, had a reverent silence. Uh, and I got to a point where I had a, a pretty wide board. It was like four root walla and uh arrogant worm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he landed the parallax wave uh oh, boy. combo. So that way my that that That'll lost do my it. chance. Uh, I was about to I was going to try an alpha strike the next turn, but then he had the yeah. wave seal cleanse and it made it very hard to win from that point, even with the reverent silence because he had drawn too many cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no that's that, that would have to be a rough feeling. But overall, a very nice performance for a deck a lot of people discount. If you were to give me a like 30-second to a minute sales pitch for this deck, what would you say to sell it? Uh, so I think it plays a tempo game pretty well. Uh, it, its threats are really good. Uh, it has uh, something that... I think is always good to have in a, in a magic deck and a 
a tournament is having like busted draws essentially mm -hmm. like any time where you go like turn one careful study and you pitch like squee and root walla that's like a, a huge start mm -hmm. right in the format um exactly and uh even the fact that uh you know wonder is out there a lot of people can't block flyers and so yep. it makes it very easy to race in scenarios you wouldn't think uh, you could just because they just can't block anything. Uh, and the survival package, you know, it gives you resiliency. It allows you to, to grind a bit. Uh, and it also allows you to play some silver bullets, whether it's, you know, Gilded Drake or Waterfront Bouncer mm -hmm. uh, to solve certain matchups. Right. Um, I don't think it's... If you had to play, I don't know, if there was a pre-modern pro tour... Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't say it's the best deck to play, but I think it's a, you know it's a defendable option. I think with the the tech that Cyberpunk are developed with the six uh, sweepers, and especially Caven uh, replacing Pyroclasm because before he was testing it with four Pyrokinesis and two Pyroclasm, I had played a little bit mm -hmm. with that. Uh, but having to have like the basic mountain or like, yeah. little foothills in the mana base was just like it was too ugly. Right, Caven allows you to not have to play anything but like one city of brass you're not even trying to hard cast it so exactly um but yeah if, if if you like playing tempo decks if you like uh survival and sort of the decision making you have to do with survival if you like having the toolbox um i think it's a fun deck awesome all right peter well you had an awesome run but now we're coming down to the thing everybody cares about the most and it's my three questions so we're gonna hit you with the first one what do you think the most overrated card in pre-modern is? Hmm. Overrated. I'll say something controversial. Okay. Phyrexian, Dre Phyrexian Dreadnought. All right. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Screw the shrimp. Shrimp. No good. I think, the I think the deck is beatable when people want to prepare for it. I would agree with that uh, 100%. I think, I, think, I think the deck is strong, mm -hmm. but... Uh, I, I think it can be attacked. Uh, so, gotcha. uh, but I still think it's a tier one deck. I just don't <laughs> think it's unquestionably like the best deck in the format. I love it. All right. What is the most underrated card in pre-modern? Mm. Gerard's verdict. Okay. Going back on the, th going back on the theme of uh, two, two for ones being hard to find. Mm -hmm. This is a completely clean two for one in the format mm -hmm. uh, that can also be randomly annoying to uh, certain decks, primarily burn, right? Because yes. burn either has to pitch action, which slows down their clock or they have to pitch lands, which mm -hmm. also slows down their clock. So it's a really bad scenario for them. Yep. Uh, mostly verdict is held back by it being a black white card and the mm -hmm. mana base for black white being pretty poor. Yeah. Uh, Madness, Dead Guy, and The Rock all kind of suffer from the uh, we wish we had enemy fetch lands in this format. Mm -hmm. This would be much, better. much, much better if we had had that, uh, and they don't, so that means they lose some games to their mana base. Right. Um, what, then, is a card you think needs to be broken or should be broken in pre-modern? Um, hmm. 
I'm surprised that nobody has really found a shell to break dream halls yet. Oh, they're working um, on it. <laughs> yeah, I know people are. <laughs> Just because it's such a powerful effect. The only thing it's kind of limited in, I think, is that there isn't actually uh, a lot of the good storm cards are neutered. Yeah, in the format, that's or, true. They're either banned or that's that would be the obvious angle to attack with dream halls mm-hmm. uh, if you could. Um, but I'm sure people are working on it. Um, it's interesting, uh, and this is just because there's no, there just isn't the artifact threats that they would print later. The Tinker is just not as much of a yeah presence in the format. I mean, there's um, obviously your combo with um, Devourer and things like that, but yeah, yeah, a lot of the, like, a lot of the threat or the things you would get with it are either banned or had not printed yet. Like, if you... Yeah. Obviously, if you had had pre-modern extended one block further, um, Tinker would not be a card that's not banned. Like, there's no way it would not be banned. Oh, um, yeah. It would be very annoying with uh, Colossus. Mind Slaver, sure. even. Yeah. Like, mind, imagine Mind Slaver Welder. I mean, we've seen things like that. So, it's so, Tinker. Yeah, this classic. It is. It's just, there's not enough there right now. For it beyond um, being treated as like a value piece, um, but I hope somebody brings it. Like I'm a huge fan of like I think there has to be a blue prison deck out there that uses Tinker for like you know mana healer. Is it Helix? Mistress Helix. Mistress Helix. Yep. Yeah, I think I've seen like mud decks. You know, mm-hmm. with kind of that stuff. Uh, I think they have a problem with dealing with uh... meltdown. Yeah, or combo decks. <laughs> or combo if decks. Can't, yeah, decks that I mean can I, win quickly like uh Angry Hermit. Yeah. Or... We've seen some interesting developments along there with the rise of sphere of resistance. So it's kind of giving me hope. Um mm-hmm. so but I agree with you, Dream Halls uh in general, people are putting work into it. We saw show and tell happen. Like I wanna see it happen because the format is in need of you know, more combo decks, in my opinion. Um, and there's got to be more that we can bring to the forefront. Yeah, it, it, true combo decks would be interesting because you know, Stifle Knot's a combo deck, but it's almost like the tempo deck of the format. Yeah. For the most part, it's playing like the Gush and Days package and mm-hmm. playing a bunch of free counter spells and yep. it puts down its 12 12 threat and That's that. attacks before you can find an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so it kind of is actually serving the Delver role almost more than a combo role. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, Peter, I want to thank you again for joining us today for this nice kind of repack of madness and your event. Um, I know you're out at Misty. We see you at Sly Patch. Uh, you're out and about. So I'm looking forward to seeing you at the next event I run into you. Um, thank you again. And to everybody out there, thank you for watching or listening to this episode make sure you try out madness um and with that being said if you're looking for pre-modern it's just a google away you'll find plenty of things with that being said everybody have a wonderful evening and take care